Jesus, God, you are worthy to receive all of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the power. God, I pray that we would not only be individuals who can say when rain comes, when wind blows, Lord, you're our foundation, but I pray that we would have strong faith as a church together to say that. Lord, I thank you for your obedience to death on a cross. I pray that we would have confident faith in you. And Lord, I thank you that you allow us to share that good news with others, Lord. And I pray that through faith, we would be able to do that. God, I pray as Pastor Rick comes up, that we would have open ears and open hearts to receive your word this morning. I pray that we would be good hearers of your word, but even better doers. And Lord, I pray that we would leave here changed. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. You guys may be seated. Welcome. We really are glad that you're here today. If you're newer, we are in the middle of a study in Hebrews 11. So if you'd open up your flat screens or your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. God is giving us examples of people who trusted his words. God has defined faith as uncompromising confidence in his word. God is pleased when we bank on his promises, even if they don't make sense, or, or if we don't see or experience their fulfillment. This is the kind of faith that pleases God. And just quickly, uh, let's review a little bit. Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham continue to characterize true faith by believing in God's promises in the midst of difficult circumstances and trials. Today, we're going to focus on Sarah. Let's pray first. Father, we do thank you for the examples that you give each one of us. The folks in Hebrews 11, Lord, they're not perfect people. But they love you and they trust you as their faith waxes and wanes. But ultimately, God, you are pleased with the way that they trust you. So we want to do the same. 
we want to grow. We want to hear your word and obey you in a new and a fresh way. We want to be passionate toward your word. Lord, we are grateful for your faithfulness to us. We are grateful for all of these examples which help us understand. And we pray today that it would be no different. We ask that you would use your word to encourage us, to strengthen us, to convict us, to change us from the inside out. Would we leave different people, Father? We pray for all the churches that are gathering, whether they gathered last night or this morning, all over Chicago and the state and, well, the United States and all over the world. We pray especially for some of the churches that are right in our area. We pray for Meadowland and New Hope and Redemption. We're so grateful again, God, that you have churches spread out all over. Thank you that they can be salt and light. Lord, last week there was a group of guys that went up to Silver Birch on a retreat. I pray even now for those guys. We thank you for the opportunity to hear and to worship and to learn about you and to grow in our relationship with each other. I pray for these guys as husbands and as fathers and as employers. We pray, dear God, that you'd continue to work in their hearts in a new and a fresh way. I pray for all of the kids who are downstairs, for all those teachers, where they can hear your or hear about your love in a fresh, in a new way. We pray, God, they would respond and that families would be strengthened. God, we are grateful for your word. Teach us. May your spirit work in every one of us. We love you, Lord, in your name, amen, amen. Let's begin reading Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. Just one, one verse right now. Hebrews eleven, eleven. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. One verse actually tells the story of Genesis 12 all the way to Genesis chapter 23. So far in our study of Hebrews chapter 11, this has been the pattern. The verses are short, assuming that the recipients know the story. We've heard about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham. So we're trying to look at Sarah this morning. In verse 11, we learn a few things about Sarah. First of all, she was a woman of faith. It was by faith that Sarah was enabled, given power to have a son at 90. Now, so many of us have heard this story before, or at least some parts of this story, so maybe we're not that shocked at that message. But 
having a son at 90 quite impossible. Faith in God's promises gives power, enables us to do what God asks. Sarah believed that God would keep his promise. Even though she was barren all of those years, even when she was young, she was not able to conceive. And now you add age. Oh, things didn't look good. But if you know the story, if you've even read back in Genesis, my first response, and it's maybe yours, is that Sarah gets too much credit here. These are supposed to be heroes of faith. These folks are supposed to be folks we put up on a pedestal. And if you know some of Sarah's story, and maybe all of Sarah's story, you go like, whoa. Well, she didn't always trust God well. In fact, I probably wouldn't make her a hero. So let's look. Uh, It's going to make sense, I think, at the end. But why don't you turn back in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to start reading, and we'll look at the first four verses. This is Abram's call. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, God says, and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed You got some of this story last week if you're with us. But Abram hears this call. God says, I want you to leave your homeland and go to a country actually called Canaan. I'm going to make you a great nation. It is going to be a nation that's going to bless other nations. I want you to be the father of this nation. So Abraham leaves with his wife Sarai and Lot and all the livestock. But shortly after they arrive in Canaan, there's a famine. So they take off, leave for Egypt, where actually both Abram's and Sarai's faith wavered. Some of you know the story, and we're not going to spend a lot of time there, but At 65 years old, Sarah was still a babe. Different. And what happened was, especially in this culture, is that if you're in a foreign land or you're in a place that's not home, uh, well, if someone bigger or stronger liked your possessions or liked your wife, (laughs) they would just take them. So Abraham had this idea, hey, let's just tell everyone you're my sister, and then I won't die. Well, this doesn't sound like a man of faith or a woman of faith at this moment, but after a little bit, well, the Pharaoh finds out, 
straightens up the whole mess. And the scriptures tell us that they begin heading north. They go to a different country. All of this time, they're building altars, and they're worshiping God on this journey. So they do have an idea that, hey, God is wonderful, and God is big, and God is worthy of worship, and we do love you, God. But there are times uh, you say something, but my faith does waver. So we find out a little bit later in Genesis that both Lot and Abram were very wealthy. And they're, well, uh, farmers and they're shepherds and uh, their employees started to fight with one another. There was so much going on. So they separated and they left and each one went to a different part in the country. Abraham lands in Hebron. If you turn to Genesis chapter 15, I'm going to read the first three verses there. Sometime later, and again, Abram's in Hebron, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants on my own. So one of my servants is going to be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir. For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Oh, the promise, the covenant has been repeated. The scriptures tell us it's been about 10 years since the first meeting. Since God had told them and given them this promise that you will be the father of a great nation. Ten years. So Sarai is now 75, and Abram is 85. Both are still getting older and actually growing in disappointment every month. God, you said I'd have a son. God, I'm trusting you. God, I'm going to be a father of this great nation. Can you imagine having dinners together and Sarai looking and saying, well, what do you think, Abram? Uh, Is God going to come through? He told us this was going to happen. Well, in Genesis 16, and again, this doesn't paint a good picture for Sarai, but she has an idea. Maybe she can help God. In Genesis 16, starting at verse 1. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. 
This is not sounding good right from the beginning, okay, just so you know, all right? This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Well, they came up with a solution. The new solution showed a lack of faith or listening to God, that is for sure. We look at it and cringe just a little bit, but back then, actually, uh, this was not too abnormal, but it was not God's way. That's what we need to share. This was not God's plan. And the scriptures tell us that Hagar had a son, and she named him Ishmael, And so Abraham was the dad. Ishmael had joined the family. And Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Now, because Ishmael was not God's way, it became um, a problem. In fact, it came with horrific consequences. Ishmael fathered the Arab nations who have been in conflict with Israel since the birth of of Ishmael. Let's fast forward a little bit more. 13 years later. It's in Genesis 17. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Genesis 17 verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, all right? The Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and there will be kings among them. Go down to verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai, But from now on, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. So what God does is that he changes both of their names. He reminds them, hey, I'm going to give you a son. You are going to be the father of multitudes and many nations. And even a little bit later, right in this paragraph, what God does is say, you know what? I'm even going to give you a special sign. And that special sign of you being one of my covenant people is going to be circumcision. So I change your name. I give you a covenant reminder. I share with you the mark of the covenant. But look what Abraham does. Chapter 17, verse 17. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground. 
He respected God, right? Listen to this. But he laughed to himself in disbelief. Now we, many years later, can look and say, what's your problem? How come you're, you know, doubting God at this time? All right? It's been almost 25 years since the first promise. All right? This is not like, hey, 25 days. 25 years. And then he goes on. How could I become a father at age 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live underneath your special blessing. Verse 19, but God replied, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Abraham laughs. God still hasn't come through like he said. He can't really make sense of it. So he, I think, tries to give God a solution. Hey, by the way, I still have Ishmael here. Okay, I know you promised me. May Ishmael really be the blessing. And God says, no, 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 no. That wasn't my way. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm going to use you, a 100-year-old dude and a 90-year-old wife, and you guys are going to have a kid named Isaac. Wow. Abraham is learning. Abraham responds. It doesn't always make sense but he's growing. I think if you mark your Bibles, I'd mark Genesis 18. It is a huge chapter in understanding this whole scenario. But Genesis 18, in my opinion, helps put things in perspective. And let me just share with you what the first eight verses kind of look like. Abraham and Sarah are living in a tent. They're out in the desert area, and the scriptures tell us that Abraham is sitting in the doorway of his tent. A a long way off, there are three guests or men who are coming toward the tent. Well, Out in the desert, you're not getting a whole lot of visitors, and the right way to treat them is to invite them in, to make them a meal, ask if they need a place to stay that night, and be hospitable. So that's just what Abraham does. Sees these three guys, he come in to the courtyard, and Abraham starts talking to him. The scriptures say in verse 1 of chapter 18 that the Lord appeared again to Abraham. One of these three guys was the Lord in human form. Now, as soon as Sarah hears this and she's going to prepare the meal, she hustles into the tent, all right, so she can start preparing this feast or this meal for these three guests. 
Let me start reading at chapter 18, verse 9. One of the visitors asked, Where is Sarah, your wife? She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. Are are you getting the point here yet? Okay, it does not happen. All right? Now, verse 12. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then look what happens. Then the Lord, one of the three men, said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Now she's listening to all this, but let me just remind you, she laughed silently. She didn't laugh out loud. Nobody saw her smirk. No one saw her kind of like, are you kidding me? None of that. All silent. But then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Well, I guess we can answer the question. Why did Sarah laugh? Well, she's close to 90, disappointed every month for about 25 years. She was at the low end of her kind of hope. I've heard it. I've heard it. Maybe I even want to believe it. But I can't believe this. And then the Lord. He knew what she was thinking. The Lord in his grace. This is so amazing. First of all, he came in the flesh. Secondly, all right, he hears her heart. He knows she's discouraged. She knows maybe her faith is wavering. He knows that. And instead of getting big, instead of getting huge, instead of kind of waving his fingers saying, what's wrong with you? I told you I was going to do this. What's your problem, lady? What he does, why did Sarah laugh? All of a sudden, Sarah's listening. Hey, man, (laughs) no one's supposed to know this. And, And what's this guy saying about How can an old lady have a kid? Whoa, that's exactly what I was thinking. What is going on here? Well, I'll tell you, I think what is going on, and this is so cool, is that God knew her faith was wavering. God knew that she needed, well, some encouragement to believe, to trust him. 
So the Lord came in the flesh to a person struggling with his words, read her mind, and again gave her a promise. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And I think it was at this time he or she heard the Lord. Okay, I've been doubting. Okay, it hasn't happened. But God in his grace, did all this so that he could assure me, I'm going to have a baby within a year. It's going to happen. This is huge, confusing, wonderful. But by God's grace, he sent the Lord to make sure that Sarah would understand. Now, if you really look at this, Jesus actually did this very thing for us 2,000 years ago. By God's grace, he came in the flesh to be our Savior, to help us understand who God is, how much God loves us, how much God cares, and to sacrifice his life and shed his blood so that he might satisfy the wrath of God and give everybody the opportunity who desires to be part of God's family. Now, the scripture tells us in just a little bit, Abraham continued to struggle with his faith. Even though his wife was 90, they heard all of this promises again. But let me fast forward to Genesis 21. God kept his word. The scriptures tell us that Isaac was born. And there was great laughter and joy. Not cynical laughter this time. But like, I can't believe it, God. You're amazing. In Genesis 22, and you heard a little bit about this last week, God tests Abraham's faith, and he's growing. God says, hey, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham passed the test. In Genesis 23, Sarah dies at 127. Abraham is 137. Isaac is 37. Now, what's really weird, in Genesis 25, the scriptures tell us that Abraham marries Keturah, another wife, and they had six kids. I believe the scriptures are putting this in. He was married for probably about 40 years there. He actually died, Abraham, about 175. But I think what God was saying, hey, the problem wasn't going to be with Abraham. Okay? Abraham became a dad after Sarah died. The problem was, the issue was Sarah. And God wanted Sarah's faith to grow. I think this was put in so that we would understand and highlight Sarah's faith. So we tell the story because the scriptures highlight Sarah's faith. I don't think it was about her beginning faith. It was about her 
unending faith. Faith enables God's power. Sarah was enabled to have a son because she believed God's promise. She trusted God, put her faith in God's word. Now, I do want to say this, is that this was a specific promise made only to Sarah. I say this only because this text has been really misused by preachers and other folks, especially to couples who are infertile. Well, you know what? If you have faith, if you trust God, then God will give you a child. Not everyone is blessed with children. We know that, and that's a heartache for some. But the promise was to Sarah right here. But the good news is this, is that the scriptures are loaded with promises to us, to all those believers. And God is pleased when we bank on his promises. Here's some of my takeaways. I'd like to focus on some of God's promises and trust him quicker. You know, this morning you heard a testimony from Brendan and Drew. I'm not sure if you understood what he was saying, but I'm going to say it again in a different way. They kept hanging on to promises and are going to continue to hang on to God's promises and trust God at his word. That's the kind of faith God applauds. He loves it. This past week, Sharon and I had the privilege to encourage a woman whose health is failing quickly. And actually, her faith is wavering in spite of a strong faith for much of her life. We shared some promises with her. We looked at her and talked about Psalm 23 and said, do you know that the Lord is your shepherd? Do you know he's going to provide for you? Do you know that when you go through dark valleys, you don't have to be afraid because he will be with you? And you saw tears coming down this lady's cheeks. And then I got to the place where surely... God's mercy is going to follow after you and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You saw this. You saw the hope. We shared Psalm 121. Where does my help come from? My help doesn't come from the mountains. My help doesn't come from anyone. But you, God, you are the one who is my helper. We shared the same, one of the same verses that you quoted. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And we prayed over, and by the time we left, this woman was different. She just had to be reminded of some promises. That was it. So much like we have to be reminded of promises I thought of some promises you may need to receive from God's hand today. Do you need a right relationship with God? 
In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, As many as received him, as many as taken Christ as their Savior, they have the privilege and the power to become a son or a daughter of God. In Romans chapter 3, verse 22, right before 23, which so many of us know, Paul writes this, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's available to anyone. You want a right relationship with God? God says, put your faith in me. What about, do you need forgiveness? Are you carrying some loads? Are you looking at your life weighed down? Well, First John chapter 1, verse 9, John writes this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We stand before God holy. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, this is a new covenant promise. And the author of Hebrews says this, well, once you are part of God's family. I will forgive your wickedness and I will never again remember your sins. What about some of you who are, well, you're at the end of your rope. You just need some strength. You are so tired. When Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will, well, not just make it. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. What about your needs? Emotional needs, physical needs, needs for a job, needs for a relationship. Do you realize in Philippians 4.19, Paul's in jail. And he writes this, my God will supply all your needs. That's a promise. That's a promise. He goes, just like he's been supplying all my needs. What about the power to live godly lives? So many times, especially as we do life together with different individuals, Say, you know what, I'm I'm discouraged. This sin seems to grab me. Or I just keep seeming to fall. Or or I don't seem to be growing very much. Well, you know what? In 2 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3, 4, and 5, this is what Peter writes. This is unbelievable. But his, or by his divine power, God has given us, believers, everything we need to live a godly life. Everything we need. We have received all this by coming to know him as we deepen that relationship. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory, Christ's glory, and his excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you, enable believers, to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, Peter writes, 
make every effort to respond to God's promises. Believe it. Believe God's word. Do you need peace or assurance? So many times, you know, whether you're working with a little sparky, you know, at Awana or maybe a woman who's dying. Sometimes we just need assurance of our salvation. But John writes in John chapter 10, and I give them eternal life. And no one will be able to pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all. No one, no one, no one, no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. How cool is that? Once you're saved, you're saved. What about needing peace? Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace all those who trust you. All those thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. You know, Pastor Blake last week, just touched on these verses. But these verses just follow our text in Sarah, uh, in Sarah's text. So I thought I'd read them again because I think it's important when we put this in context with Sarah. So go back to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to start reading verse 13. We've already mentioned again Abel and Enoch, all right, and Noah and Abraham and Sarah. And the list is going to keep going as we continue to make this study. But here is what the author says, verse 13. All these people died still believing what God has promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for a country they had come from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Sarah did see her promise realized. She was holding a little baby. But many of us are not going to see or experience all that God has promised. I think the writer of Hebrews wants to communicate to his readers what faith looks like. Faith looks like a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman believing that God can fulfill his promises even when the fulfillment of those promises seem absolutely impossible according to human reason. You see, God is pleased with people who have faith, people who trust him, people that know the word, and people that believe what God is saying. Now, let me say this. The common way to live, almost what so many people live, even sometimes in the church, is to live by sight. But God's way is to live by faith. 
You see, we've never seen God or Jesus or heaven or hell or the Holy Spirit. We don't know any of the authors, the human authors of the Bible. Yet we live trusting all of God's word. We bank our earthly lives and our eternal destiny on things that we have never seen. That is the way the people of God have always lived. You see, we always don't see clearly, and at time our faith wanes. But our faith grows as we see and experience the faithfulness of God. Sometimes our lack of faith yields huge consequences, like the birth of Ishmael. But why don't we bank on God's word? Think of it. God cared so much about Sarah that although he said over and over and over again, you're going to have a son, he spent time going to a tent, making sure that Sarah understood that when God says something, nothing is impossible. Nothing. We can bank on it. My question to you is, which one promise do you need to claim today? I'm going to pray I'd like each one of you to bow your heads if you would and just ask yourself that question. Maybe it's in an area where where your faith is wavering. Maybe God's made some promises, but you've been waiting 25 years for these promises. Maybe you'll never see the answer. But God says, I've said it. You can bank on it. You can become a son of God today, a daughter. You can spend eternity with God forever. I will take care of you. I will never leave you. What promise do you need today? Share with God. Talk to God. I'll pray in just a moment. Father, you're always faithful. You just are. You've never broken your word. You've never broken a promise. You desire deeply to walk with us, to have a relationship with us. And so many times we go off the reservation. So many times we think we know more than you. So many times, well, your word doesn't seem logical. So, so we put our own wisdom in there. And oh God, it's a disaster every time. Would we have faith like Sarah? impossible for you to give them a son humanly 
But, but God, if you said it, it's going to happen. Grow us as a people, as a church. Help us trust you, God. Would we fear you? Would we get into your word? Would we walk with you? We'll never regret that. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.